Hello and welcome to the Sustainable Food and Drink Podcast, a series that asks how food and agriculture can achieve impact against the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. How is the biggest player in chocolate progressing with its cocoa sustainability program after committing $400 million to cleaning up its supply chain? We have seen positive impact in farmer cocoa yields, which we see continuously improve. We also have learned that the lasting impact that we're looking for urgently requires a sector-wide strategy. In this episode, we speak to Cathy Peters, head of the Cocoa Life Sustainability Programme at Mondelez International, producer of big-name brands like Cadbury and Milka. We spoke about the impact made by the company's sustainability programme since its 2012 launch and how Mondelez is marketing sustainable brands. The podcast is brought to you by Lumina Intelligence Sustainability. I'm Oliver Nyberg, a market analyst for Lumina Sustainability and former editor of food and drink industry publications such as Confectionery News. I started by asking Cathy that with two years left to run on the 10-year Cocoa Life program, what measurable impact has been achieved in the top cocoa-producing countries, Cote d'Ivoire and Ghana? We indeed invest since 2012 in our uh, proprietary cocoa sustainability program, Cocoa Life. And what we do is really work hand in hand with the men and women who make their living from cocoa to co-create solutions and focus where we can make the biggest difference. And that is basically in turning cocoa farming into a business of choice, building inclusive communities that can drive their own development while uh, protecting and restoring uh, land rights and human rights. Now, um, you're right, we do measure uh, impact, as you know, quantitatively and qualitatively, directly with farmers in independent annual ev- evaluations. And our program impact KPIs are aligned with some of the SDGs, mainly uh, one, eradicate poverty, uh, gender equality, decent work and economic growth, climate action, life on land, peace, justice, and strong institutions, and partnerships for goals. I will say that high level, we have seen positive impact in specifically farmer cocoa yields, which we see continuously improve, um, but also uh, in, compu- in communities being empowered to steer their own development. And we also know from our impact that uh, the farms are not infringing uh, on protected forests. We also have learned that the lasting impact that we're looking for urgently requires a sector-wide strategy. From Côte d'Ivoire and Ghana, yields as a whole in both of those, those countries have um, declined or remained static in the, the, last, the last five years. Um, you're saying that you've seen improvements through Coco Life. Um, what has led to those improvements? It's very difficult to uh, average out uh, the data that we have because there are big differences between countries and even regions. Where we see the best improvements is, of course, where um, farmers are have the capacity to, to implement the good agricultural practices. And when all the different interventions come together and are implemented at the same, you know, in the right way, that's where we can see um, improvements. It's true that um, rehabilitation and planting material has been a big driver, but we don't see that. Um, we don't see the effect, of course, in the short term. That's more of the longer term. 
Mondelez is one of the one of the few companies that does have a KPI based on net income from cocoa and non uh, cocoa um, sources. T- to what extent you've seen yields increase as a, as a result of cocoa life, but to what extent have you found incomes improving in specifically in Cote d'Ivoire and Ghana? I see in the reporting you report some improvements in Indonesia and uh, fluctuations in Ghana. Could you? Tell me a bit more about that and how you actually measure income. We do measure income uh, from yields, uh, sorry, from cocoa. Uh, And again, as I said earlier, we see really different results in the different countries. And even when we see uh, income increases, uh, there is no um, possibility for us to average it out or or actually to read um, or to learn something from the average because the drivers are in some cases yield increases, in other cases price increases, in other cases uh, they have just been able to sell a lot more cocoa. But the other driver, um, you probably know that in the program we work a lot on um, generating additional uh, streams of income, more specifically at the community level and with different uh, members of the communities and that's where we also uh, see household income increases um, mainly driven by uh, generating additional streams of income. Um, And I think we all also know that a one-size-fits-all solution is just not making any any change uh, or is not working. So it's difficult to pinpoint uh, one element. Now, what I will say, the basics that are uh, conditional to uh, achieving um, a, a better livelihood uh, it all starts with having a decent access to a market. So having clear terms of trade with the cooperatives and the cocoa farmers so that they can plan uh, for their future is a basic uh, a basic need, I think, and that's where it starts. And so when I say cl- clear terms of trade, I mean what is the commitment of the kind of volume uh, at what conditions, and the conditions... Uh, include, of course, the price, but also potentially as uh, short-term alleviations, uh, some cash uh, transfers as premiums. You know that we have a loyalty premium uh, within Coco Life, and that also helps in the income um, increase. Um, and then uh, it's really a mix of how ready the farmers are to um, apply um the, the good agricultural practices that they learn because we had to, to increase their yield and be able to sell more cocoa. Um, but that is really up to the farmers um, and the farmers' capacity. How receptive have West African farmers been to Mondelez's interventions? We, we know from cocoa action data that adoption rates for full productivity package of all companies combined averages at about 2.8%. Um, what has Mondelez experienced? So in general, I would say um, that reception has always been really good among farmers. Um, but maybe also good to say among, among communities, because the question you're asking is really only focusing on the farmers, which of course is critical. But it's also equally critically important to recognize uh, the importance of strengthening the communities, uh, the cocoa growing communities, because 
empowered communities are vital to building a thriving cocoa sector and in the end the participation from both the farmers and uh, the communities is really needed um, as well as the public services uh, around those communities by the way. That adoption rate at um, cocoa action level, I mean even if uh, under cocoa life it's, it, it, it's triple that rate, it's still it's still a very low adoption rate. So, I mean, what are you? What are the reasons the farmers aren't able to implement these product packages? Is it is it a matter of being able to to, to finance the right? Um, yeah, exactly. If we talk about adoption rates at cocoa farms, a lot of changes are needed to improve the farming situation in combination, and that often goes beyond the current capacities of farmers um, and not all of these improvements are even recommendable for all farmers so that's one thing uh, to point out. Um, one of the things that has clearly uh, been a great learning for us is that in the past um, there was more of a blanket approach to assisting farmers because we needed to go to a big number of farmers um, and you know good agricultural practices and and outreach to farmers has been standardized. Um, but given that the farmer's base is very variable and increasingly fragmented, with many new entrants and families splitting the land, we from our side now focus clearly much more on targeted approaches where specific interventions are recommended only to those farmers where it makes sense and everyone gets adjusted support. So definitely moving from a blanket approach into a targeted approach uh, is one of the big evolutions within the program. Uh, within that space, we're actually also um, piloting both in Ghana and Côte d'Ivoire uh, a targeted uh, good agricultural practices approach, which, go, which goes even uh, way deeper into adjusting uh, the support to each of the farmers. And then I think the other big um, driver is, as you mentioned, access to finance. Um, it's good to know all of these practices, um, but it's also critical that farmers have the capacity uh, to implement them. And we know that access to finance is oftentimes a, a bottleneck uh, for farmers' adoption. And garnering Cote d'Ivoire um, have been talking about implementing a, a living income differential, this premium, um, when the price, uh, the market price hits a certain level. I mean, how has Mondelez reacted to, to, to those proposals? Uh, and so, as you know, we have been part of um, the, the first meetings and then um, as an industry, we are also gathering um, to discuss with both both governments more of the sustainability uh, safeguards. Um, I think, Oliver, overall, we all support higher income for cocoa farmers. Um, it's important that it happens uh, in a system that benefits all farmers. Uh, and so any initiative in that direction, uh, we welcome. Um, but we also want to make sure that the system takes precautions uh, not to create even worse conditions in the near future. So it's good to remember that cocoa is mostly grown in fragile regions and many farmers across the globe are 
migrating into cocoa regions to grow cocoa uh, there and to leave worse conditions. This makes the matter very sensitive. So any any initiative uh, that helps drive all of the farmers' income is welcome. Um, it should definitely not be uh, tackled in isolation. Baker Life has a program in Brazil. Um, as you look to outsourcing from Cocoa Life um, by 2025, what guarantees do you have that volumes won't come from land recently cleared by fires in the Amazon? So that is, uh, I must say, the situation in Brazil is totally concerning and, well, I would even say devastating. Uh, you know that we have um, a Cocoa Life program on the ground uh, that we implement together with the Nature Conservancy. I just spoke with our team on the ground. Um, the program is still very small. We also source very small volumes uh, from Brazil. Um, and we know that the, the land where we operate, specifically in Para, uh, has not been impacted. Um, the, the way uh, we have, the safeguards that we have is the transparency that we have in our system. Uh, we know the farms, we know where they're based, uh, and we know where the cocoa comes from. So uh, that is relatively uh, straightforward. I must say um, the whole Brazil and actually beyond Brazil situation is, is just a drama also through the Mondelez International Foundation, we're poised to assist in, in partnership with our relief aid partners that just beyond uh, the Coca Life program. Um, it also shows how critical and important actually our work on reforesting uh, in Brazil is. And dare I say, I think it's also it also shows how critically influencing the role of government can be. Because you, there's still there's still fifty percent of uh, volumes that you're hoping to source through through cocoa life. Do do we have a sense yet where those volumes are coming from are going to come from? Or are they going to come from particular countries? And if so, are they coming? I, I would guess that they're coming. That the aim is for them to come from existing farmers that increase part of your program that have increased yields, but uh, if that's the case, what, are you, you're present in a few countries, where are the volumes likely to, to come from as you expand? The plan that we have in place, the roadmap we have in place, is indeed to uh, source, to have all of our chocolate brands source uh, their cocoa through Cocoa Life. As you know, end of last year we were at 43%, uh, and the plan that we have laid out uh, is to scale up the volumes from the origins where we operate. Uh, so that this Ghana, Cote d'Ivoire, um, India, Indonesia, Brazil and Dominican Republic. That is not to say that if um, very specific, you know, if the, um, if the landscape evolves uh, beyond 2022, we might also evolve our program. If there will be more farmers added, what risk mitigation do you have that they're not farmers who have moved on to land that's been you know, cleared, such as this land in, in the Amazon? Right. So it's def a good question. So it's definitely a mix, you can imagine. It's uh, going to be a mix of uh, productivity improvements with and just volumes that we can take 
additional volumes that we can take uh, from the registered, the currently registered Cocoli farmers, but we also uh, need to scale up the number of farmers that we work with. You know that we operate um, in partnership with our suppliers on the ground, uh, and we have very clear um, uh, agreements on uh, transparency uh, and due diligence, uh, whether it's on, do on deforestation or um, human rights even, uh, with our suppliers. So uh, we have very, very clear safeguards. I understand that you're hoping to expand Coco Life's reach beyond Milka, Coke Door, um, and Cadbury Dairy Milk to other brands like Toblerone and Lacta. Um, how will you signal to consumers the sustainable cocoa credentials of, of your brands? So by 2025, uh, all of our chocolate brands um, will be sourcing from uh, Cocoa Life. Um, it was, it was actually quite nice because we took our uh, relatively new CEO uh, to the origins uh, because I think he wanted to, well, Coco Life is a considerable investment to the company and he wanted to see for himself how that money is invested and how and the kind of impact it has on, on the people and on our supply chain. And so when he came back, he clearly um, decided that we were going to scale up to 100% uh, uh, more rapidly, so that was really nice. Um, now, maybe it's also important to say that Coco Life has not been set up as a marketing tool. When we set up Coco Life, it was really uh, a business decision um, that was based on the principle that we needed to understand our supply chain, uh, and we we were not able to grow our business on a weak supply chain. So. I understand that, but you there are Mondelez brands that do carry the Coco Light emblem on pack, and they're also mentioned in product descriptions of some of the um, the on online listings. So I'm I'm just interested how is Coco Light grows to to other brands, and to what extent you'll leverage the Coco Life emblem. To what extent would you look at? Um, third-party certification claims like Fair Trade and Rainforest Alliance. And of course, now there is um, an ISO um, standard on sustainable and traceable cocoa. And with that, there's also a claim that um, companies can can make. Absolutely. So all of the cocoa, uh, all of the chocolate brands um, who source uh, that source from Coco Life carry the Coco Life logo. You're right. And so that's one way um, to uh, signal to consumers that this is sustainably sourced. Our brands also um, have a uh, an unpack uh, link to our website uh, because we know that consumers increasingly demand transparency uh, and we believe that that is exactly um, what we provide on our website by publishing our program progress and the impact we have, as well as other critical learnings uh, we gather from implementing uh, the program. And actually, consumers can even check the locations of the Coco Life farms across the world through our in in interactive Coco Life map uh, online. So consumers can hold us uh, accountable. Now to your question on third-party certification. The program has always been set up as an outcome-based program that measures impact 
uh, and seeks to empower the cocoa farmers and communities because we believe that's the only way to see lasting change. Uh, and so we've never really been building on the principle of complying to, uh, to standards. Um, and so what we have built in, we, we always believed that third-party verification of our supply chain has been critical. And so you probably know that FlowCert is verifying uh, the flows, the Cocoli flows in our supply chain. So we know exactly the commitment that we make to all of the cooperatives and how we fulfill those promises at which, at which conditions and where the premiums go, our loyalty premium. So we have FlowCert is offering uh, through their Floatis system, which by the way is the same uh, system that is used by Fairtrade, uh, but they offer us full transparency over our supply chain. And then the other parts of the independent evaluation of our program, where we want to uh, be taken uh, accountability for, uh, is our impact measurement. And so that is why we work with Ipsos as an independent um, body to really go out uh, into the field and measure on our 10 global KPIs, the impact progress uh, that we're making. And that's what we will continue um, to be doing. Now, that's not to say that we have, we've been closely following the development of the ISO standards. We've been part of the uh, regional committees um, and we have an ongoing discussion and engagement uh, with the voluntary certification standards because these organizations are not just standards, they've built over time um, a whole set of skills and knowledge uh, and understanding. And if there's anything to learn from for us, then we will do. Because one, one, I guess one argument could be that if every company is promoting its own standard in on-pack on -pack chocolate, you have this mesh of mesh of claims to, to, to different standards and I guess it's difficult to for consumers to know what truly would be fair and then when you add to the mix a fair trade claim, a rainforest alliance claim or organic claim or the other numbers of claims that you, you have, it's, I guess it must be difficult from a consumer's perspective to know what's actually having impact. I know it's great that you know, most companies do have um, KPIs where they can prove impacts but behind that but it must be quite difficult for a consumer to understand so I, I just wondered from uh, you have this ISO standard is do you see any scope for the industry as a whole to get together behind a single standard that just communicates to consumers easily through just a single claim that this contains sustainable cocoa so I guess there are two elements um, in, in my answer. Um, and the first one, um, perhaps there is an opportunity. I don't think we know that today. Um, I think it is critical that a standard does not stand in the way of ownership of the farm by the farmers themselves and empowerment uh, of both the communities, but also the governments and the public sector uh, and so if a standard 
or a methodology is able to um, help drive that agenda faster and bigger, then why not? The other part of the uh, answer is probably, I think there is a great opportunity for uh, consuming countries to help educate consumers on the complexity of the challenges. And a one-size-fits-all um, solution um, is not going to solve all of the issues. It's, you know, it's development, it's long-term, it's um, tackling root causes, it's uh, changing, it's systemic change. Um, and that is probably, there's probably a beautiful role for consuming countries to help educate consumers on that. How much of a dilemma do you think exists in calling chocolate sustainable, making a sustainable claim on on the pack when farmers are still far from a living income? Mm. I think I'm going to start by saying that sustainability starts probably with transparency in the supply chain, knowing the people and their challenges and being able to address them together. That's why Coco Life is an integral part of our company and the way we do our business. Now, to your point, not being able to earn enough from any economic activity is not bearable. And to take a targeted action and taking part of the shared responsibility to alleviate this situation is what we stand for. But we also know that we cannot solve these issues alone and therefore advocate for a long-term sector-wide strategy supported by coordinated action plans. I think we have um, we have some examples of that. Um, if you think about the cocoa and forest on very specific themes, we're starting to see a closer collaboration in private-public partnerships. We see that on cocoa and forest initiative. Um, I think we see something coming uh, on uh, child rights. Um, but we probably um, need to think about, you know, a broader long-term sector-wide cocoa sustainability strategy that is supported by coordinated action, because otherwise um, we will not get there. Wait, I don't think that we expect that at any day sustainability would stop being a constantly renegotiated concept across consumers and producers that keeps on evolving in order to push us forward. In that sense, we don't expect to ever reach a state where we can just say, it's done, we, we're there. And I think that's also important to, uh, to keep in mind. So, in, in the interim, it, it, it would therefore, as it's evolving, the way you describe it, as it's an evolving concept, it, even though there may be some farmers part of a sustainability program that are living below the, the, the poverty line, it's okay to make these claims? It's okay to state as a company that we know the people that we're working with and that we are working together um, over time to um, get to sustainable livelihoods. That brings us to the end of the podcast. 
We also asked Ipsos, Mondelez's impact assessment partner, how it conducts the impact studies and who has control of what's publicly reported. There's an accompanying article on Confectionery News with more detail for those interested, and we'll also put a link in the description of this podcast. Also, please do check out our free on-demand webinar where Lumina assesses the current CSR landscape for cocoa sustainability based on analysis of almost a thousand commitments from the biggest players in food and drink. Um, In that webinar, we also talk about consumer responses and price differentials of um, different ethical claims in chocolate online based on research of around a thousand products in 20 countries. That's all from me. Thank you for sticking with us and goodbye.